Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching with TBA rabbinic intern Joshua Jacobs. Our first text is Deuteronomy 10, chapter 10, verse 12. This is from Akev, so I wanted to linger in, in Akev a little bit. If you have a fumash, you can go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy 10, 12. And is somebody there and able to read that verse for us, either English or Hebrew? Feel free to unmute and go ahead. Sure, I'll read. Thank you. Thanks, Rona. Ve'ata Yisrael, ma Adonai Elohacha sho'el me'imach, ki im meira et Adonai Elohacha, lalachet bechod rachav, u'ahava oto, ve'la'avod et Adonai Elohacha, bechol avavacha, u'vchol nafshecha. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God demand of you? Only this, to revere the Lord your God, to walk only in his paths, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Great. So Moses is getting the people ready to enter the land. He's giving his his series of discourses, and he's reminding them of basically the summation of, of all that God truly wants from you, right? That we have this whole series of about a million, well, we know exactly how many laws, but it's a ton of, it's a ton of laws, uh, at least 613. And it can get um, overwhelming. And so I think something like this is very helpful where Moses reminds us, okay, at the end of the day, here is almost on one foot what God wants from you. Um, my question for you all, is is there any significance to the order that it's listed in? Do you think that there is intentionality to the order that it's listed in and and why that might be? And if this is a list of all you need in life, is there anything that's missing from this list? So if you're if you're not able to see it, I'll just repeat the order. It's fear, the Lord your God, which is Yura, so fear or ah of God, uh, to walk in God's ways, to love God, and to serve God. So you have fear, you have walking in God's ways, observing the mitzvot, you have love, and you have service, serving God. So any takers to, to respond to that question of, is there something to this order and is anything missing from the list? Yeah, Larry. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, my friend, um, Ryan Nagin mentions that, uh, he thinks that the Yira should be reverence as opposed to, to fear. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to take us in a completely different direction. And this morning I, w- I was struck, um, in reading, in reading the, um, the Pasuk, um, trying to open it there. there okay. So, <clears throat> It says, what does God show El? What does God ask of you? And I was immediately struck about the similarity with Micah. And the verse in Micah, which basically um, asks, what does God doresh um, mimcha, which is a little different than Shoel, require of you. But Micah talks about ki'im asot mishpat v'ahavat chesed. So, and then he goes on to say, so that is, it's translated here as to do justice and then to do 
loving kindness. Um, and then at the end, and to walk modestly with your Lord. So it, it's quite a contrast, I think, what we're talking about here, because we're talking about here in Devarim is um, to follow the mitzvot, which one could say the mitzvot would include those items that, that Micah is emphasizing, but it's pretty clear it's to follow the the, the, the mitzvot um, with all of your heart, whereas Micah is telling us, as I think in other places, Isaiah says the same thing. It's not so much ritual that's important. Right. We talked about before, maybe even the last time we had this uh, this session, but it's actually doing justice and deeds of loving kindness, which are important. But there is that modesty element which was the main a main element of your uh, Devar Torah earlier today. So you you could connect that part of Micah to to what you wanted to what you did say this morning. A, a lot of great points there. So when I read this, I, I also thought of Micah because it, it's kind of that summation of what does God want from me, ask of you or require of you. That's also an interesting investigation. Why those different word choices? Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, which seems to suggest more emphasis on how you behave as opposed to punctiliousness with the rituals, which is a theme with some of the prophets, not, not all of them, but a lot of them. And, um, versus here, um, which again is a summation of, of all that matters, but focusing more on mitzvot observance with following God's laws. So it's an interesting juxtaposition. And right, what's missing here, like you said, is that maybe that humility aspect that Micha um, has, but isn't isn't here um, necessarily. Um, Joanna, your hand. So two things. So there are four things listed here. And as I read them, I think the first leads to the second and the third leads, leads to the fourth. Um, right. So if you have that reverence for God, mm-hmm. then you will follow in God's path. And then once you love God, you will serve God, you know, with full joy. And um, a couple of thoughts also come to mind that, um, you know, if we compare our relationship with God a little bit to the parent-child relationship, um, you know, we're told in one place in Torah to revere your parents and in another place to, to love your parents. And really it is that combination um, you know, for the full relationship that mm-hmm. transpires. Um, and I had one more thing I wanted to say. Um, there's all, there are all these like lovely sayings that, you know, um, that sort of come from the second part of the verse, you know, you know, become, you know, is very popular. We sing it, you know, worship God, enjoy. Um, that it's a great mitzvah to be happiness, to be in happiness, presumably in the way that we serve God always. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really interesting, like there are other religions that are very focused sort of on the aesthetic and on the, you know, what you deny yourself. And while we have those moments, we have Yom Kippur, we have those moments. I think the overall message of Judaism is the joy in living a Jewish life. That's beautiful. So I want to try to synthesize both of your points as we move on to the next text. So 
um, what, what you're saying, last point being focusing on, on joy, that, that joy is a big emphasis of Judaism and not necessarily as stressed in, in, in other religions um, necessarily, but uh, that it's a big, a big focus for us to serve God with joy. Uh, and your first point, which is that one leads to the other and the other to the next, so that there is this order that if you have one, you'll have the other. That's actually the jumping off point into this next text. Um, and I also then want to circle back to what Larry said about humility, because they combine in a way. And, and so humility, joy, and humility in life, joy in life, and how one leads to the next. So um, there's a lot of commentary about how wife starts with yira, with reverence. And just like Joanna's pointing out, the commentators say, if you have that, the rest follow. Um, so this this next text, which I won't be able to share, the, it's still not working um, technologically, so I apologize for that, but I'll read it off the page. Unless maybe I'll ask somebody if they have it in front of them. But this is also picking up on why f- revere your God is first and what that has to say about the verse. So this is a Hasidic commentary. It can be found in the collection Iture Torah. Does somebody have it in front of them that and is able to read? This is commentary on Deuteronomy 10, 12. Marlies, great. Gary said it. Gary, thank you. In English. Yes, please. Okay, sorry, but only this to, re- to revere. They tell the story that, that once Rabbi Israel Salanter praised one of his students, Rabbi Smicha Zeisel from Kelm, saying that he was a holy, whole person. Hebrew for Shalem, and a master of noble traits and reciting about him. All of you, all of you is fair, my companion. There is no blemish in you. Another rabbi who heard these words said, perhaps this, this rabbi, Simcha Zazizel is, is a perfect, is a perfect sonic. But if he had truly devoted himself to Talmud and post postkin legal legal decisions, uh, legal legal desires. He would have been able. He would have made a great one in Israel. Rabbi Israel Santra said to him, "The Holocaust is that when there is before you a big hollow that is that is split in pieces, and a small hollow that is whole. We bless on the on the whole one. Meaning, fulfillment and uprightness is more important than." Greatness. I think we heard this before. Yes, I, I mentioned it today <laughs> during the drush. But just for a quick summary of this, right? You have a rabbi bless, uh, uh, praising his student with high praise, even invoking the verse from Song of Songs from Shia Shireen that there is no blemish in you. You're basically you're perfect. Another rabbi says, "Oh well, if this student was so great, surely I would have heard of him. He would have he would have been a gadol, a great in the community." And uh, and his the rabbi's response is. If you have a full, a big hala, and a big hala in front of you that's been ripped into already, and a small hala that's that's intact, that's full, we bless on the small hala, meaning fullness and, and uprightness is more important than greatness. So my, my question for you is, first of all, does Wait, it, Josh? Yeah, uh, Taiwo. Why is it necessarily fullness and completeness? Why isn't that... Um, I mean, I could think of at least two other explanations why the smaller would be better. 
Go ahead. What do you have? I'm not saying this is halachic, but one could be maybe there's some rule that certain ritual objects only have one use. Mm-hmm. As opposed, I mean, not a Havdalah candle, clearly, but that's one. But the other is that it's not fullness as much as that you have to be able to go from start to finish. I don't know that that's fullness, but that and the start mm-hmm. being, I'm, I'm having trouble articulating, but just that there are phases in it. If the other challah has either been used for a blessing or not, either way, if if there's such a thing as a challah life cycle, it's more in the middle of its challah life cycle. It's not at the beginning. So I'm not saying either of those apply, but I'm just asking how you know that that's why the smaller. It's interesting. It's a good question. You're bringing good points. Um, I'm not sure the origin of the halakha. Maybe somebody here does. But I do know that, I mean, I think it's probably like hidur mitzvah, making the mitzvah beautiful. And it might be disrespectful to Shabbat to oh, welcome it in. With that the makes halakha. total sense. Yeah, the like hidur mitzvah makes total sense. Yeah, because at the beginning, you know, you're supposed to set aside your best bottle of of wine or grape juice for Shabbat, you're supposed to. So if you're if you're blessing Shabbat with the already eaten halat, it, I think it would be seen as disrespectful. But what what I am getting from this is I think there's a, there is this conflict that many of us probably feel of going like shooting for the moon with your one life that you have and trying to be as great quote unquote as you can be, maybe like conventionally successful or or just impactful to try to really change the world on one hand and the other, which is, I mean, and the the danger of course of that is it can tear away at you. If you're this big, big shot, big holla, everyone wants a piece of you. And if you have a a big lofty leadership role or, or shoot for the moon, it can really take a toll on you uh, versus a small holla, which, you know, quote unquote, big and small here, but if you live a life that is maybe not as conventionally uh, lofty or impressive, but you are upright and full and you make a difference in your little circle and you're happy. and fill. So one question is ultimately keep in mind, you know, as we're talking about this, can you only have one or the other? Is it a trade-off that you have to make that you're either this big hollow or small hollow? But the question I want to ask you first is, which one would you rather be if you did have to choose? Would you rather be the big hala or the small hala? I think sometimes being the small hala allows for more impactful relationships, right? Like you have more time to spend with the people in that smaller circle. You know, the professor who teaches a seminar gets to know his students much better than the professor who's teaching, you know, the massive lecture in a huge hall to 300. Right. Absolutely. So the, the uh, Joanna is bringing in breadth versus depth, right? Maybe if you, everybody knows your name, you know, you, you've, you've, you've really achieved uh, breadth, but what you sacrifice maybe is depth there of, you know, being this, this seminar professor that really gets to know your students and change them deeply for the, for the rest of their lives. Um, great. So that, that like Rabbi Israel Salanter, I think you are praising the the small hala, and again these are quote unquote because you can't measure uh, impact and uh, 
put a person's entire life in a, in a box like that. But I think it's an interesting thought exercise. Uh, yes, Larry. So I, I have a small thing to say, and then Brian has a, um, a mission from Pirkei Avot to bring to this, to this discussion too. Great. I would comment that if, in fact, you had the choice between a large whole challah and a small broken challah, you would choose the large whole challah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think this is an issue of large versus small, mm-hmm. but the emphasis is on the concept of shalem. I'm not going to go any further with that. Brian? Okay. I think that one can look at this from the standpoint of, say, process, um, and an individual who strives to greatness as opposed to somebody who doesn't. And Great. reminded of something in uh, Pirkei Avot, this is a Pirkei Avot um, 1, verse 13, um, and referring to um, Hillel, um, this was a favorite teaching of his, when you seek fame, you destroy your name. Knowledge not increased is knowledge decreased. One who does not study deserves to die. And <laughs> I like the casualness with which you. Yeah. The beginning of that, I think, is um, you know food for thought along these lines. Um, you may you may seek fame, and that in itself could be a destructive act. It doesn't mean that you should not strive to be the best you can be of who you are, but I think that that's um, more something internal instead of um, what I would call process. Thank you, Brian, for bringing that in, right? So process intention here is what matters. What are, what are your motivations? Is it ego? Is it fame? Or is it impact and trying to be the best you can, right? Aspiration and, and, and just trying to be truly the greatest version of yourself, that you can be. Um, the one thing I want to add to this is that to respond to what Larry said, first of all, the idea of, of brokenness, right? I, I think we're all broken in our own ways. Shleimut, I don't think that means not broken. I think it means fullness and wholeness. It's, you know, we carry the, the shattered tablets in the ark with us as we go. That doesn't mean that we're a broken people. It means that we're stronger when we carry our brokenness with us. And, um, pursue wholeness. So I think, uh, as you know, as, as long as you are looking out for your yourself in the ways you need to, to practice healthy self care, um, you can, you can absolutely have both greatness and wholeness and how brokenness factors in even with the small hala, you, in order to make a hala, any hala, it undergoes the process of he frish, right? Where, where you separate a piece of the dough and burn it as a sacrifice. So really, whether you are the big hollow or the small hollow, no matter what, you, you are sacrificing a part of yourself because we, we have to make sacrifices in life. You can't, quote unquote, have it all. Um, but that doesn't mean that fullness and, and wholeness is not is not still very much possible. So I want to I want to end here with the final text, because I think it offers an interesting balance to the to this first one. Right. The first one seems to say. Uh, there is there is absolute value to the quote unquote small but whole and full life. Greatness does not matter as much as fullness and uprightness. And this final text from the Kedushat Levi, another Hasidic commentary. This is on Noah. Um, does somebody have it in front of them and is able to read it in English? 
if no one else will, I, I can do it. Great. Thanks, Marlise. Oh, oh. Okay. Hey, Mar- Marlise, why don't you go ahead? Thank okay. you. Um, why didn't Noah pray to avert the decree? Because there is a certain type of sadiq who serves the creator, but is meek and worthless in his own eyes. And he thinks from the depths of his heart, who am I to pray that a decree be, be averted? So he doesn't even pray to avert the decree. And Noah, even though he was righteous and wholehearted, he was tiny and insignificant in his own eyes. He didn't believe in himself that he was a powerful tzaddik. And, and he could actually avert the decree against the people. On the contrary, he saw himself just like everyone else in his generation. So he told himself, I am no better than anyone else in my generation. So if I'm going to be saved, so too will they. As a result, he did nothing to fight to avert the decree against them. Great. Thank you. So we don't have the time to dissect this text, but I just want to end us with that notion and that balance to that first text that while there's value in not necessarily, you know, shooting for the moon with, with fame or quote unquote greatness that here, no, the Kedushat the Levi is picking up that Noah was so humble in his own eyes that he thought, who am I to, to try to intercede on behalf of the people to stop God's decree of the flood? And because of that, the world was destroyed. So the danger, I think, of the small yet whole life is that we are all possessed of a divine spark and capable of greatness, we all have that in us. It's what Ryan mentioned about process and trying to be the best version of yourself. And if we settle and think, you know, I, it's okay that I don't aspire to be the best version of myself. I'm happy in, in my, I, you know, I, who am I to achieve anything great? The result is the flood. Uh, our world has so many problems in it, it. It needs us to tap into what makes us great if we have a shot of, of averting the flood. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.